Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. What's happening out there, Reraw Nation? Welcome to a Wednesday interview. I've got a special guest with me today, Keith Watts. Welcome aboard, my friend. How are you? I'm doing terrific, man. Thanks for having me in. Dude, I feel like I got to do this great intro for you. So let me just go ahead and get that out of the way. But there's only one fact that I really care about, which is uh, the fact that you're a USC alumni. Um, so fight on to my my fellow Trojan over here. I, I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Keith is a is a salesman. He's a he's a lifer. So he's been in sales his entire life. Of course, as I said, the the highlighting factor here is that he is also a USC alum, uh, graduated from there, and uh, really been a, in and around the real estate business in some fashion or form since two thousand and one. Between uh, you know title, uh, I think you've done some work with commercial. Uh, what is a commercial finance? Uh-huh. Yeah. So some commercial finance and then uh, really has been in the real estate business as a realtor for about 12 years now. So you're kind of you're starting to, you know, actually get your wings finally, I guess. Maybe know what you're doing for once. It possibly. feels like it. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I feel like I know what I'm talking about a little bit. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. So we're happy to have you here and uh, just kind of get some get some cool insights from you, learn a little bit more about your your personal and professional story, and I don't know, see what kind of valuable information I can suck out of you in the next hour. <laughs> sounds good. Wow. <laughs> sounds kind of awkward, actually. <laughs> Stop, edit. No, I'm just kidding. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, I guess let's kind of jump into things. So, I don't know, fill, fill us in a little bit on like your personal life. You do anything outside of real estate, or what are you doing? I'm be, I mean, everything sort of feels related to real estate. Just uh, my, my business model is to be a, you know, the local realtor. And uh, I've got I've got kids and how many um, of those you got? I've got three. I've got three daughters. They're awesome. And cha-ching, 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 I, cha-ching, I know, cha-ching, dude, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. <laughs> we, we're gonna have some weddings at the Elks Lodge. That's for sure. But they're good um, enough to marry off. <laughs> I think so. I think I can get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move them off payroll as soon as we can. Perfect. Um, but the uh, you know I do things like coaching. I, I enjoy coaching sports, and what nice. I try to do is you know. It's always about meeting as many people as you can in this business and just sort of getting out there. So uh, that's I'm kind of a cool little trick right kids. there. Yeah. Dude, you know what? That's a cool little trick right there, too. Like if you got kids, be involved in their school, be involved in their sports, be involved in all that stuff, because it's a super great opportunity to meet people. And I feel like here's the funny part for me, though. I feel like the most most people that I meet through coaching and all that other stuff are other real estate agents trying to do the same thing. I, it's funny you say <laughs> that. Like, you, I, I don't even know where to begin. I haven't come across that that much. Um, right. I, I really haven't. I, I at least in the area where I'm at, it, it's um, there are a lot of 
when I go, for instance, to the softball field, there's definitely other realtor banners up, you know, like realtors are sponsoring teams, yep. but I, I haven't met a whole lot of realtors that are actually out on the field, you know, like running practices. It's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's, it's a special type of thing to coach. I guess you know? guys like us are an endangered species, man. I don't <laughs> Maybe. know. I, I would, you know, I've, my daughters, I, I hate saying the word because it makes my wife cringe, but they're shy. They wouldn't play sports unless I was a coach. I sure. don't think they would. So I, I just see it as a side benefit to get my name out there. Whenever there's like, hey, everyone throw in for the team banner. I'm like, I, I, I got it. I'll pay for the banner. And then yeah, yeah. I make sure my logo's on it. <laughs> nice. You know, whatever it's Where, like. What's the team name? Where, where's the team name? That just looks like <laughs> yeah. a real estate banner. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. So you, uh, it's like, you've seen Bad News Bears with Chico's bail bonds on the back of the uniforms. That's <laughs> everything's Watts team. Like, uh, that, that's great. That's <laughs> and I'm, great. If, yeah, if there's, uh, you know, hey, we're, we need everyone to pitch in for practice jerseys, then boom, logo's on the practice jersey. Awesome. And yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right. I, no, there's nothing wrong. It's it's got to happen anyway. So why not? Hey, someone's got to take pay advantage for it. of it. Exactly. Yeah, and if you're not getting credit, it's going to be like I the local thanked. Ford dealership or like the. No, you know. no one ever calls me on the duplicitous motive. Everyone's happy. You know, everyone thanks yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's great, man. It's nice. It's a nice. Uh, it's nice because it forces you also to take that time, like in a business where you're working seven days a week and like you know, 36 hours a day kind of thing. It like forces you to go, cool, man. Like I'm definitely spending at least a little time with my kids and my family and all that stuff. Cause you're coaching and you're there for them and they see dad. It's like a cool, it's, I like that. It's, it's really cool. In fact, it's funny you say that when, um, I went to a wedding sort of when I was about to transition out of, mm -hmm. uh, title, I was a title rep and I was thinking about maybe going into real estate and I ran into, a. I went to a wedding. It was a guy from my fraternity and I ran into a friend of mine whose dad was like, he was like the main realtor on Coronado Island. So he grew up, his Not dad bad. was a realtor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And, uh, he, he kind of was like, man, it was awesome. Dad was always around at the time. I only had one daughter. She's about one. Okay. And he's like, dude, it was awesome. Dad was always around. I mean, it got busy on the weekends, Yeah. but he, he was always there and, uh, had time for everything and got to coach everything. And it, it was actually kind of one of the things that made the decision for me. Um, my dad was, um, I mean, traveling salesman makes it sound like he had a briefcase and he was going. No, man, city actually, to city, I, hey, but he was gone five days a week. Yeah, you're speaking speaking to the the same kind of guy yeah. here because that that was my dad too. And by the way, it provided a great life and, yeah. and loved him, and he was very involved. He actually coached us a lot and stuff. But like, man, when Dad got on a plane, it was like, you know I what I mean? I, I I respect him so much because I had that traveling job for a while where I was like 1500 miles a week with new balance and you know, all that stuff. And I'd say goodnight to my first kid on an iPad and that lasted for like a whole 11 months. And I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to say goodnight at home now. Like I'm coming home. It's a trip. I, I, after college, people are like, Oh, I want to, I want to travel. I want to get a job where I travel kind of like it was glamorous. And I remember thinking, dude, my dad's packing his stuff up on Sunday night Yeah, and he was bummed. Yeah. He never got to coach any of my teams. Uh, at the end of his career, he was, uh, he worked, for Hallmark greeting cards, he was literally traveling a lot in the company jet, which is as good as it gets. Heck yeah. But he didn't want to leave. Yeah. It didn't matter what he was flying in. Yeah. He wanted to be at home. And so uh now what's your spread on the kids? How old are they? Uh they're close. They're each uh, about two years apart. Oh, so wow. it's eight, ten, and twelve right now. Oh, okay. So my daughter kinda... had her twelve uh she turned twelve yesterday. Happy they can birthday. cook their own Let's mac see. and cheese. Wow. Happy birthday. They uh they do uh hopefully they do just about everything on their own. I'm pretty hard <laughs> on them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I've got I've got uh let's see, I've got six, three and one. And so my one year old is still like, you know, in the gimme mode. 
Well, you, you, well you, you've got a six-year-old. She basically can... I mean, she thinks she can... Oh, it's a girl? It's, I got two girls and the boy to boot. Oh, the boy's the last? The boy's the last. That's good. And, so the six-year-old can is, basically raise him. I mean, that would be ideal. <laughs> you know what, though? If she did, she'd be raising a slave because <laughs> she just takes over the world. My uh, my older sister is six years older than me, and she's like a second mom. Yeah. She really... I, I mean... There were there was normal sibling abuse, but at the same time, uh, like I, I remember uh, my other friends going, "Why are you listening to your sister?" But she had just sort of trained me, you know, from an early age because she was like a second parent. Yeah, we say <laughs> we say with all the love in the world that that our six year old is uh, is already a master manipulator. Yeah, of course, she definitely knows how to how to swing that vote. Well, so. girls, I, <laughs> and you've got three of them. Girls are ma- master manipulators. I mean. It trips me out. My my daughters will. Uh, I know they're practicing on me. Yeah. Like for their husbands, like they're they're learning on me. I I, I see my friends who have boys, and if a boy asks for water, he would drink it out of your hand. Oh or a yeah. Girl like needs it out of the Dora cup. Absolutely. Or, <laughs> like I always tell them, stop practicing on me. That's really funny. So. <laughs> Well, I, I like I like talking to one of my own too. It's nice to it's nice to have the involved dad and and understand what it's like to come from that kind of family too, where like your father's still a figure and still there. But you know, we get I, well. I'll speak for me. I get spoiled because the kids are used to seeing me at home, and I and I'll be there at night to give them hugs and kisses and all that stuff. And then it'll be like the middle of the day. I pick one of the kids up from school, drop him off. My one year old son sees me, and then he's bawling when I leave. And then I and now I'm sitting there. I'm like. And I just need to make enough to retire, I guess, because they want me here all the time. It doesn't matter if you if you're leaving for a week or if you're leaving for like five minutes. You know, it's like they still cry, but it, it makes you feel good because they it's not like you're a stranger to them. They they care if you leave. That means that you're around enough to, to make it hurt. You know? Enjoy it while you have yeah. it, man. When I come home, the only one that greets me is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate your honesty. So let's uh, so let's jump into this a little bit here. Um, you you actually and I'm going to bring it up earlier than I normally would, but you mentioned that you you kind of started out in title, and I think before that you mentioned you were kind of in a boiler room style. Um, I was. So I kind of want to let's uh, like I said, I usually kind of do this more in the middle, but I want to hear maybe a little bit about your story on the front end, and we'll we'll trail into some of the other fun questions in a bit. But what um, tell us a little bit about your your coming into real estate? You went to USC. Did you jump right into this industry or what was it? There was a recession going on when I was at USC and um, it was like the early 90s. And uh, I, I'm really, you know, I'm not great in school. Like I probably have a learning disability. I don't know. But uh, and my mom's a <laughs> my mom is a research specialist teacher. So like there uh, you go. <laughs> she's kind of diagnosed me with it. But um, I when I was at USC, I, I was bouncing majors. I couldn't survive in business. I, sure. I almost flunked out and um, I, I, I liked history and English a lot. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be a lawyer. And because uh, at that time, it was so hard to get jobs. People would ask you if you told them your major, what are you going to do when you graduate? What are you going to do when you graduate? Was sure. What are you going to do with that? Like we were at a vocational school and uh, I got to the point where I'm like, I just want to graduate. You know, I, I just want to get through this and get an education. And so I picked English and my dad uh, was like, no, that's great. You know, you're going to learn how to write and, um, you know, you, you can go into sales. You can sell. But that yeah. if I told someone I was an English major, they're like, you're going to be a teacher. Right. Which is not far off. I mean, that's, we spent a lot of time teaching people. Sure. Uh, so I, uh, I, I sort of resigned myself that I would have a sales job. So when I graduated college, there was no misgivings. I just started 
looking cool. for, you know, commission only sales jobs. I, and, um, keeps you hungry. Oh, I didn't have like the entitlement of, oh, I went, you know, I went to a college. I should get whatever. I, I knew my major wasn't going to get me any job. Yeah. Know, I'm sociology. Everyone's like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, do with it? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm supposed to do something with this. Yeah. Exactly. I thought this was just a rite of passage. I, sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> love you. That was pretty expensive rite of passage. Yeah. They bought some bricks there. Well, you know, the, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm going to bug people with my knowledge about, <laughs> a little bit of everything yeah but yeah. nothing practical and then maybe write it with perfect grammar you know exactly. it'll be something like my that. grammar's horrible so you hop so you hop you graduate out of uh, you graduate from usc i got a, I, a friend of mine was just like you'll be great at this and it was um affectionately it was a boiler room it was uh it was equipment leasing and um i don't want to I don't want to degrade the company. They gave me a wonderful opportunity and the owner, uh, sure. owner I'm still friends with. He's a great guy and just a savant in sales. I mean, he was a magician That's cool. and in a good way and, you know, not in manipulative way. Yeah, yeah. He's just Naturally really talented. understood how to close and in a way that was uh, satisfactory for all the parties. And, um, he was a really good leader and man, they kept a lot of people on board, but the nature of the business was, um, you know, 150 phone calls a day I would do, I would get there at six and I would leave at six and it was, I would go through three time zones. So I'd start by calling Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yep. And then I would call, uh, Kansas city, Then I would do Ventura County and then finish with Hawaii. And, uh, there was like an ideal time of day. It felt like for business owners. So sure. I would want to stay in that time frame wherever know? it is. As it yeah. Goes I would just go across it there. instead yeah. of, instead of staying in one state and calling eight to five, it seemed like I would try to stay in that yeah, hey, sweet spot all day long. <laughs> quick, quick tangent on that. Um, and then, and I, we're going to go quickly back to your story, but if anybody missed that kind of an interesting point right there, that there might actually be an ideal time of day to do certain things. There so is, like, yeah. I don't know, like just for what it's worth, like 5 a.m. is a really <laughs> shitty time to cold call. Yeah. So if you were thinking like, you know what I should do is get up early and like, make my calls at 5 30 in the morning that's uh well not only a major violation i believe of the fcc if i if i recall reading the terms correctly but it's also really a dumb idea but yeah it's like uh -huh. so so you approach that with with specific strategy which you i, I got I, I yeah, got you got instruction. direction i got instruction yeah. about it and so shocking how that comes in handy sometimes. i know i know it's unbelievable uh <laughs> i got really good instruction there like really good yeah. and uh it was it was scary in that there were a lot of alphas there. Like there was guys that played on the U.S. water polo team. Sure. They were in that office and they were all um, just like. Dude, sales is like the great equalizer. Like I, I don't care if you're an Olympic medalist, if you've climbed Everest, if you were the first man on the moon. Like in the sales room. Fuck you. Yeah. We're. You know what, man? There's the, there's How many calls board. did you make, and what was your closing ratio? There was. Bro? Like that's yeah. where I learned about numbers too. I, yeah. you know, like we we they were they tracked everything. They tracked uh, calls, minutes on calls. Oh yeah. So they could tell who was calling and hanging up. Yep. You know, they could track like that doesn't look right. I mean, everything yeah. was down to a science with them, and um, you you definitely would brag about your numbers, and it, the culture was to work really hard did you guys have like the bell and we, everything like no we didn't have a bell. we had something funny though which was if someone said something funny yeah it went on like a post-it board because you're you're there you get bored Dude, and you would let one. it fly you would say funny stuff and um we used to at callaway we used to do a um 
uh, what the hell is it called? We we had a couple games, but two of my favorites were number one was like someone would come up with a phrase. So like, let's say like a yellow submarine or like a purple chopper or uh-huh. something like that. Right. And it would just be something ridiculous, you know, or like uh, the man, you know, the, the man on the horse, uh-huh. you know, and you had to use that somewhere in your sales call. <laughs> right. And, and every time it was used, like whatever, then then the next person in line would pick a phrase and then everyone had to use that until everyone used it. And it would be something like, I don't know, we'd be selling like range balls for the driving range, right? And we'd be like, well, awesome. Well, Keith, that's great, man. Uh, we'll get that we'll get that guy on the horse immediately. And uh, and the uh, the yellow chopper will probably just drop those right off in the uh, in the middle of the driving range, you know, whatever. And and the people on the other side of the phone would be like, what? And be like, yeah, it ships in May. Thanks. See ya. You know, like you just get off the phone. And then the other one I liked is we started, uh, we started doing a, if you used a four syllable word or higher, uh-huh. then like you would ding your little desk bell. <laughs> so we had the sales, but we had the big giant bell that like, if you had a huge order, you'd go up and just go boom, you know, and like the whole office could hear it. And we did that because it brought like a lot of morale when like you're crushing the huge orders and stuff, which I, is sick. It's a good it energy, a but we always had like the little desk bell where it was just a little like ding. And so anytime like uh, the ring for service bell. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, uh, well, Keith, uh, sounds like you guys are I mean, running a pretty sophisticated uh, operation over there. Sophisticated <laughs> five. Ding. And then like you couldn't use it again, you know, she'd be like, well, I uh, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but hypocrite. Damn it. That's only three. It doesn't work. You know, so we had our stupid games. See, those it's are hard to fun be in the moment though. when you're counting. Counting your Dude, it's like so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, we would uh, every once in a while they'd come in and the the main man would read the notepads and be like, you know, rip one off and be like, who said this? You can't say this. We're gonna get in trouble. That's funny. And and somebody would say something and it was it would be so funny. You talk everyone there is about between twenty three and twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a 20, high turn the rate. Twenty seven year old was like the old man. For sure, like, it's actually rare to last that long in a in a boiler room. Well, I was there like three that. years, and that's I mean, a long. That was time. an eternity, dude. And uh, the I and just, you don't even have that much gray, man. You're doing okay. <laughs> even I the girls have hard living, man. I don't know, I'm bro. Surprised I just don't. for men, just for men too. What are we doing up here? No, <laughs> just the natural just genetics. Yeah, all right. Um, so I I did. That was a wonderful experience. I'm, it's funny you mentioned uh, my looks. I know I'm not in pole vaulting shape. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do. You I, don't know. I focus on podcasting for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I haven't put everybody on YouTube yet. And I definitely wasn't starting with this episode. That's for damn sure. No, that's for damn sure. <laughs> so we could do the blurred out face. You're just the silhouette in the corner. Yeah. We're interviewing Keith. Watts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, but I, I looked really young in my 20s. And sure. So I, the idea of an outside sales job wasn't going to happen. Oh, right. But I wanted, I wanted sales experience and uh, you'd get a deal on the hook. And if it was like, I, I got to where I could, I did a lot of trucking companies that needed financing. Okay. Just for some reason, I don't know. I, I just kind of, I, I was good with guys who own trucking companies. I could, and they bought their equipment was, you know, expensive and they were always buying new equipment and it was a great thing to finance. And I, I became my specialty in the office. And um, if I got one in Ventura, you know, which was the area I was calling or Los Angeles, people would refer them to me. Sometimes I'd be like, I need to drive out to close this. I just got that feeling. Yeah. 100% of the time, the person be, would be like, you're the guy I've been talking to on the phone. It, that's funny. Hey, right? You're not it's, even going to date my daughter. Right. And so I, I, I hid in the phones for a long time because I was worried about outside sales. My dad even recommended you should go into real estate. So I'm going to jump really quick before we get into that. 
Uh-huh. I'm going to jump really quick about phone experience. Uh-huh. How has has you honing that skill and fine-tuning that on the phone experience helped you in real estate? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not or sure. Or has it, it helped you? Well, I'm not sure it matters that if it's on the phone or in person. It's just that it's just it's so much easier to get reps when you're on the phone. Boom. You can cover a lot more geography yeah, on the phone. I mean, you're, I was always on the line. I mean, you I you went across rings. the country every day. Well, it was 400 minutes yeah. of talking. of, And it was pure sales. It was get past the secretary. Shit, man. Get to the guy that owns the company. Now, were you literally cold calling? Or did you have a list of like past customers and you Great were maintaining question. clients? Okay. So uh, this was... This is a big differentiator here. This was, I got what was called a Dun & Bradstreet. You know what that is? Uh-uh. It looks like a phone book. Okay. And you don't even no know. No Glenn Gary leads for you, bro. <laughs> no. You got that. Those are the closers. Yeah. There were those leads. They they were called McCords. And How funny, dude. <laughs> I know. We got to make a new movie now. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a movie so this about is for this real. experience. And by the way, it was a fraternity. The guys that I worked with there are still my best friends. Oh, I bet. Like, I mean, it was dude. You get shit on so fire. much. You get shit on I know. so much and that you like need people to pick you up. Absolutely. And but the uh, if I was just at a wedding a year or so ago from one of those guys, and I haven't worked there for almost twenty years. Oh my gosh. But uh, but the we're talking the happened, cold of the coldest calls. The cold of the coldest. You didn't know what business it was. It would be a name on a piece of paper. It would say Nelson Brothers, oh my and gosh. you'd call them and be. I would be like, so wait, what do you guys sell? What do you do? So, and you didn't, so, <laughs> I didn't even know what the business was. So respectfully, the the company that you worked for, was it a big, big enough brand where oh, people no, would recognize you? No, so like, no, so no. see, here's, so here's what's funny. When I worked for DHL, I worked for a subsidiary called Worldwide Express. Uh-huh. And a lot of people didn't recognize that. So we always led with DHL. And then sure. they're like, oh, DHL, what's the Worldwide Express? And we're like, well, we're a reseller. And they're like, oh, cool. When I moved from that to Callaway, dude, holy shit. I now, I had I had 1,100 accounts that were legit accounts that I had to manage, maintain, grow, whatever. And we took new business on and we, you know, earned business back. Like it wasn't it, it wasn't all just like handout business. Actually, most of it wasn't. We still had to earn that, build the report, right? Yeah. But, but the there's Callaway nobody. There's not a single fucking person in the golf world that I couldn't call. Who didn't they're like i'm sorry what company are you with i'm like callaway you know like everyone's like oh Ca- oh callaway Dude, you know I, what let I me could, hang up on this asshole i got callaway on the phone i could talk i mean yeah. i could talk i worked at roger dunn yeah for two years oh shit man this is getting away from real estate we're gonna I, talk golf i know now. we're gonna talk golf he just yeah. pulled me there and people would they would buy callaway hats yeah like callaway bags like the yep. brand insistence for callaway was insane it was beyond nike I mean, the, the people that insisted on having Callaway, yeah. they would lose their shit if they lost a head cover. And they to, would come in and need a, Hall- a Callaway head cover. By the way, uh, from a customer service perspective, I'll tell you, that Callaway had over a million dollar annual budget at the time I was there just for customer service. So sorry, Callaway, if your budget's increasing because of my comment. But like, I can't even tell you when I was in customer service how many times people would call and they'd say, I've been playing Callaway clubs for 35 years, which was funny because at the time we were only in business for 25. (laughs) And they'd be like, and I was calling to get my free hat. And you're like, awesome. Uh, Which one would you like? You know, and I mean, like we would just send it out. Well, I lost my head cover. Uh, How much does that cost? You're like, hey, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and just send that out? And what kind of balls do you play? I'd love to send you a dozen balls. Like, (laughs) dude, the, the loyalty we built just from good customer service was crazy. But the big point I wanted to make on all of it 
um, to come full circle before I forget my thought. And you can say whatever you want after this, but um, I just it, having the the a recognizable brand when you're making cold calls is a fucking different ball game. It's totally it's unbelievable. So you didn't have that luxury or privilege. Oh no, not at all. No, it was horrible. I mean, yeah, it was. It was just. It was a. They they didn't want people there that couldn't. There was a weeder. But you right? got there yeah, was a weeder. You, you had to get through skin. it. You got through once you got through your DMB of that county. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't just pick any county. Counties were taken. It was like a restricted farm in real sure. estate. So you you do your best to pick a county with a lot of light industrial, and then that's why I picked Allentown, Pennsylvania. And um, you would pick areas, and then you know if you were lucky, you figured out a niche like I did trucking and sure. wreckers and haulers and towing. Um, but that was a terrific experience, man. I'm and it's so it funny. had to Bring give you golf shop. Oh, dude, the golf stuff's just well. I, you know, I I forgot it, it's the working at Roger Dunn is a big. It's a big part of my business model now. Interesting is what I learned there. Even it's you brought up Callaway. It slipped my mind when you you were going through kind of my my story, and I I I jumped over really like one of the most important times in my life was when I worked at Roger Dunn. Well, it's your younger days. You're drinking more and. I, well, I wasn't <laughs> handling it remember. as well. <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, bef going back before, I don't think of it as sales because I was the club gripper at the wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was just, it was horrible. If I have any brain damage, it's from standing over that bucket of gasoline. Yeah, man, putting... you just enjoyed working the shafts. I got yeah. you. Yeah. The stiff well, ones were great, weren't they? Dude, if there's anything I got out of the golf business was the sexual innuendos were just like so key. Like we used to have a... Uh, like back in the day, there used to be the Callaway uh, blue ball. Uh-huh. And, uh, dude, we would bring it up just for fun, you know? And then, like, I mean, dude, it just – talking about balls and shafts and, you know. Woods. Yeah. I mean, like – Yeah, it, it never gets old. Ever. Uh, ever. Um, we would have guys call up and, like, we'd be in such a mood to be like, hey, this is Richard calling from, uh, <laughs> you know, calling from ABC Company. And we'd literally just be like, how you doing, dick? But it's just because you got, you got so accustomed to – being in that environment that you're like, oh shit, that's not appropriate, is it? My bad. So sorry, HR. My bad. I miss that. Yes. Yeah, I I mean I miss uh I miss being in those environments as bad as the boiler room was, as bad as it was working, you know, a five seventy five an hour job or whatever you do that that sort of punchy fun you get of being uh, in a crew like that is a blast in, oh absolutely. in my office now i mean the agents that come in I, they're they're all real self-sufficient but we don't have that same uh sort of punchiness because everyone's real task oriented which is the way it's supposed to yeah. be but it is kind of fun to be in the trenches with people and amen to that <laughs> so you so and, and i don't want to harp too much on it and and i also don't want to do it a disservice by skipping over it but you you got through your um through your boiler room. Uh-huh. You honed some skills. You got some pretty thick skin from that. I mean, eventually someone made the suggestion you should think about real estate. You hopped into title for a while it sounds like. I just wanted to be in a business where it wasn't the same it wasn't like starting over with each client. Oh, because, okay. Because in t uh even though I was good at the boiler room thing, I could have done it forever. Yep. Or finance whatever it was. Uh it was always your interest rate. And I'm gotcha. sure mortgage brokers are saying like th that's what they're doing. It's no matter how many loans you've done for someone, it's always what's your rate on the next loan. Right. And I, I don't blame people. It's the nature of that negotiation. And I just decided I couldn't spend the rest of my life just 
no matter how how much empathy or what I did for someone customer service wise, yeah. having them rejudge me on whatever the buy rate was for the money I was getting. I got you. And that's something that was so far out of my control. I just wanted some more control. So I, I w- was golfing with the title rep and I asked him about his business and he said, this is what I do. Fucking great. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. And I called, call, I called, called a bunch of title companies. Yeah. And then uh, one of the, well, I got interviews with like three, but all of them said, you don't know anything about title, so we can't hire you and you have no <laughs> clients. And I just, I persisted at it and then eventually got a job as a title rep, which is a whole, whole thing I thought I was ready for that I wasn't ready for. A whole nother thing. Um, a whole nother nightmare trying to learn a, a business. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was actually though, really hard I, I wish realtors would understand what title reps go through a little more well but not just that and, and not to take away from that because i'd love for you to elaborate but also you know realtors loan officers title reps appraisers doesn't matter what your position is in this industry for people to understand that this isn't just some dick around job and this isn't just some like oh you're a title rep so like Fucking you have like an easy job. They just give you a list of agents like you don't have to know shit like that's not true. And also like being a real estate agent, what you learned in, you know, your real estate classes means nothing in the real world. Like great, great for giving you a very loose baseline, but that doesn't teach you shit about selling. It really doesn't teach you about the ethical boundaries that you've got to operate within. Like it doesn't give you your strategy and tactics and how to talk and like do all these different things, how to articulate different situations. So whether you're a title rep or a real estate agent or a loan officer or anything else in this business or any business for that matter, you can't just the grass is always greener. Right. And when you jump in, you're like, ah, fucking this guy's got a great life. Here we are on the golf course. You know, I think if I move to title, I'm just going to get like, I'll probably be hitting 300 yards in a minute. Right. No, it doesn't work that way. Like Uh -uh. fucking guy practiced on the golf course and he's, you know what I mean? Like it takes a while to run that business. So, yeah, I remember remember there was a, uh, I was in San Diego at the Prudential, you know, this before it was Berkshire Hathaway. I was at a Prudential convention and like somebody who was on a big realtors team. Yeah came up to me and I was hosting, you know, I had the bar tab out and I had 50 realtors and uh, they said, man, so explain to me what you do. And I said, well, I, you know, I've got, uh, I, I try to gain favor with realtors. And uh, then when I, you know, do have favor with them, then hopefully they give me their title orders. So yeah. Well, this looks good. You're just having a big party. I'm like, you don't understand. It took me seven years to get these people to come to my party. Right. They didn't want to come to my party. They right. wanted to go to a different title reps party. Like this was not easy. This and was a nightmare. And by the way, the ones the ones that gave you the least amount of business were probably the biggest wins because they took the longest to get over. Like, dude, my easy come, easy go. My yeah, my five hundred thousand dollar accounts at like annual accounts at Callaway were like a fucking joke to me because I knew based on their business model that we were gonna get a certain percentage of their market share, and it could fluctuate depending on what kind of product I had and how I sold and kept the relationship. But no matter what, I knew there was going to be a nut there unless you know we really effed up and it's the accounts that went from like a thousand dollars a year to like five thousand dollars where you're like fuck yeah dude huge win you know like totally because you got to work hard for that but you earn it man like totally and that i mean that attrition is a big part of title that people don't realize you know you you when you first start you get you, you don't get this answer but this is the answer it's i don't have any business for you People don't understand. Right. Realtors don't do business. Like the average realtor sells two houses a year. Right. Maximum. 
And P.S. So, you can't live on that. No, you anywhere. can't. You can't. So the average order is two deals a year. So you walk into an office full of 500 people. Who do you approach? The guy with the Mercedes? Right. I mean, I didn't have – you can't look up on the board. Realtors get very offended when you look up on the board. So yeah. you, you do your best to you know, you use the MTA reports to try to find a way. At the time, we didn't have access to the MLS, so we couldn't run numbers that way. So, so tip for title reps then. how did, What was your approach – like, like, what realtors did you target? Did you go it took, elephant it took me hunting? A year to get an approach. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was so lost because they grind them up in title. I, I remember my first. I, I'd been in the commercial finance company, yep. so when I hit it, I hit it with that attitude. Like, boom, here's all the phone numbers. I went to the Association of Realtors, and they gave me everyone's home phone number. I don't know why. I guess realtors when they filled out oh, the form, boy. I got a lot of why you call me at home, and it was like. Well, you gave you because you gave them the home phone number. Okay, yeah, but I I I just called for appointments, and I happened to find by calling, you know, making five hundred phone calls, the four offices right. that weren't getting hit by title reps. So, like my first month, I got ten resale title orders and ten whatever refinances orders, and uh, there was a guy that worked in the open order desk, and there was. Anyway, I he was like, this is unbelievable. No one's ever started and got this. At the same time, a girl had started who's had connections and she was getting hundreds of orders. Yeah. So I was comparing myself to her, which is a lesson for everyone out there. Don't compare yourself to someone else. You have no idea what their resources are. Dude, and by the way, if I could tail off of that, there's, a, there's always a few tangents when someone's interviewing with me. But dude, I, there are so many people out there that set goals or set their own standards based on what somebody else is doing. It's and what's so idea. funny to me and that and and not not there's so many reasons to not do it but here's the one reason i think that most people overlook and i and, and you can tell me what you think about this what if like the person that you're going fuck man i got to do i'm 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 chasing keith fuck that guy i'm going to i'm hunting him down what if this is the year that like you're like, cool, man. Well, we're wrapping things up and yeah. uh, and I'm out, you know, like, yeah. you know, and I'm sitting there and it's like all of a sudden, like Keith's like $40 million a year turned into like $5 million. And I was like, yeah, I kicked his ass. And you're like, yeah, yeah but you only did 6 million, James. You're a loser. Like, yeah, I, exactly. The problem is, is unless you actually know what their targets are, what their business plan is and what their intentions are, you don't actually know if you're chasing a goal of theirs to get bigger. So are you like, that's why I always feel well, like, what, what if they're more like, I, I mean, I, I'm right there with like, what if they're more attractive than you? Like, Dude, what, what about these yeah. variables that you have zero control over that just are just a bad roll of the I mean, dice, you know, yeah. like, and, and so there's no point. You can only make the, the most of what you have. Yeah. And so you drive, you'll drive yourself insane chasing other people, yeah. which I was 25 at the time. It's so a short drive. I was living in that world where I was comparing myself to someone else. I should have listened to the guy when he's like, this is unbelievable. Like you've brought in these orders, but instead. Oh, I but you invalidated her. yourself. Yeah, I did. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and then that. That's then, a big lesson to learn actually. Yeah. I was. Yeah. And so then I spent the next year sort of spinning. I, I came out of the gates hard because. <laughs> Poor I, son of a bitch became you, a realtor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I, you know, the, the, the first, that first year. I came out hot because I found the soft spots in okay. the market. And then the rest of it, I had to wrestle away. Gotcha. So there was a lot of meetings with my boss like, your production's dropped off. It's like, it hasn't dropped off. I'm still working as hard. It's just the people, you know, they're not. I, I got to wrestle it away now. It's a different type of fight. I, I got a quick beachhead and now I've got to, you know, gain it. So it took a little while. Well, 
I think, uh, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that amount of time. And my, uh, the question I would ask you at this point is for really more for title. When, when you started finding your success there, those, you started getting through to those brokerages that, that weren't maybe getting as hammered by, uh, other, other agencies, right? Mm-hmm. What, what was your in? Like, what was your, aside yeah. from just being the guy that called, like title reps have to add value in a different way because let's be real honest about title for a minute. And I, and I, I wasn't expecting to go down a title uh, rabbit hole it's with you, but I want to, to like, like fucking title has got to be like one of the most challenging and underrated for how challenging it is positions to be in because the title rep is like not even the one who's doing the report, right? You've got your title. The title officer, officer is not even the one doing the report. Who else? Who you, you will? I, I okay. Here's I guess my point thing is you know. there's more you're layers. Right on, you're right on the money though. The, the layers are crazy. Yeah, and I worked in all of them. I I actually ran the production department. But your value has to be different. Okay, you have you. This is what everyone needs to know about title is the Department of Insurance actually regulates the pricing. So you're literally and American Land Title Association actually regulates the product. So other than the letterhead on a preliminary title report, yeah. it should be identical regardless of who the company is that generates it. And the price should be identical regardless of who the company is that generates it. Interesting. So you think about that. You're actually going out and selling an identical product at an identical price, which is fixed and illegal to lower. So so what is it that then you're now approaching people? You've, you're an expert on the phones. You've come from years of experience of making hundreds of calls a day, yeah. cold calls at that. Yeah. Now you're in a business where you're not only learning something new, but you fucking don't even have control of the product and yeah. you don't have like 500 different products to sell, right? Yeah, it was so gnarly. where is it that you're saying, hey, I'm going to add value to the agent or the brokerage? Like, what are you doing? Hey, hey, can I get your title business? And then they were, of course, they probably were like, yeah, come yeah, on. I in. wouldn't start with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because the answer is I don't have any. Whether they say this or not, the answer is I don't have any, or I give it to someone else. So, um, dude, you, you just, I just felt like I had to find a way. I would try to spend as much time visiting offices and just lurking. And I, I remember there was a top agent who promised me she would never give me an order. Yep. And um, isn't that said, a great promise? I know. And she shouted out one day to the members of her office, "Do you know where such and such property management company is?" And I just screamed back, I got it. Give me 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked back in with it about 30 minutes later. And she's like, wow, I just love that ambition. And that that's when the light went on for me that um, it was really just about gaining favor with the person. It wasn't necessarily about the product I was selling. Right. It was about just gaining favor with them, make them, make them see that I cared about their business. And Yeah, the um, giving mode. Yeah, and Give, be, giving first, like you're protecting somebody else's interest before your own. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's got a lot to do with it, and just ambition. People people respect ambition. People want to people do want to help hard workers. Absolutely, you know, because hard workers are rare. Yeah, and so if you're out there busting your ass, I always feel like someone's going to reach their hand out for you. Yeah. If, if you know, if you're open to it, somebody's going to try to help you. hundred percent. No one's just going to shit on you uh, regardless of what people think. I mean, I might, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rare breed. That's a different podcast. I'm a rare breed. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> so I, 
I just tried to make myself available as much as I could. And then I had a tactical thing, which was I would mail someone information that they could use. And I wouldn't call them because if I called them, then they would say, I don't want to do business with you. And this right. eventually works out in real estate, this philosophy. But I would call them and I would want to get their voicemail. And I'd say, hey, I sent you a letter and here's the letter. And uh, it's this. got this information and just check it out. There's no need to call me back. Yep. And check it out if it helps you great. And I would do that. like Dude, the takeaway. I would just, just, I'm here and I'm trying to help and I don't want to waste your time. I would do that maybe six weeks in a row. Um, if I was driving down the street and so I clutch. saw a for sale by owner sign, I'd have five sort of thank you cards. And I would say, hey, I drove by this for sale by owner. Here's the phone number. And I would send it to the people that I knew were doing Mike Ferry. Oh, that's cool. And then they'd be like, well, this guy's out looking for me. And um, I, I just kind of started trying to figure out. Dude, that's out. a clutch little. Th- I've never heard of a title rep that does that. Well, um, I other, mean, maybe it's because I'm not doing Mike Ferry. But well, yeah. I, I most people <laughs> most people don't even interview title reps. Right. They take whatever their broker throws in front of them, which was another obstacle. Is how do I get around the broker? And um, yeah. I stood in front of broker offices where he wouldn't let me in. And I would pass out my business card to agents coming and going. And I had brokers come out and try to throw me off of public land. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't throw me off of public land. Yeah. He's like, well, you'll never come in my office. I'm like, you've already told me that. So that's why I'm out matter. here. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm out here in public land. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just did. I was just, I always had an aggressive approach that made me appear to be hustling. I was. That way, the people who wanted to help me would step forward and help me. But see, I like that too, and and I think um, you know from a let I'm a anybody who has ever I don't know worked with me or listened to any of the, the shows that talk about like what my huge forte is. I mean, I've I've done everything you can do from a lead generation standpoint, but my absolute crown jewel, like my favorite thing ever, is letters. I love letters. That's right. Because yeah, you do. I get calls off the letters. I get calls. I mean, I get so much activity off of that. But if nothing else, if there's nothing else to say about a letter, if you suck at letters, I don't care if all you did was address an envelope and put a stamp on it and there's nothing even in the envelope. Like you literally could call someone and go, hey, did you get my, did you get the letter? (laughs) By the way, dude, you know what I should do? I should actually do that. Save the paper and the printing, send the envelope, and then call people. And then when they say there was nothing in the envelope, I'd you say- you get the gift card? No, what I'll, yeah. no, what I'll do is I'll say, no, I just I wanted to send you the, the same value that most of my competition gives. Nothing. With nothing. Yeah. Is that- I would do that. I how would, fucking clutch is that? When I would do door knocking, I would always- You may all door. use that. That's free. It you is. can. I'll put a copy of the letter. <laughs> see where I'm going? I do. I see you working. Uh. I used to, you know, when I would door knock and I'd have my door hanger, but I wouldn't hang it. I would knock. Person would open the door. I'd say, I just want to hand it to you. That would end up in your flower bed. Mm. Same sort of premise. But you break the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, people are too rigid. You know, like it's. uh, I I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. In fact, I think um, I think this winds up wound up on one of the sales meetings. Uh, Actually, I know it did. And I don't remember if it's going to publish before or after this doesn't matter. Um, but we talk about this idea that like agents try to do some weird circumventing. Like, so like, for example, like if you're calling on a FISBO, um, where you're kind of like, Hey, yeah. So, I mean, 
I've got a lot of buyers. So what I, I, I no, totally not calling to try to represent you, but I was hoping I could preview the house because if I could at least get in there, then maybe I could see if it kind of sort of fits, like maybe somebody that I got. And, and it's just kind of like, dude, why don't you just fucking tell him like, Hey, I was just hoping I could preview the house. Why? That to be honest with you, I'm, I'm trying to see if it's something I'm interested in listing. I know the agents, and, you know, like the, this, this whole like roundabout. I couldn't thing, agree right? more. The agents that work with me when they hear me call expireds. Yeah. I, I shit. I still do the Mike Ferry script. I'm like, just wondering when you plan to interview agents for the job of selling your house. And how then the, how, people are like, why? That's just, you come right out and say it. Well, yeah, either they're going to say yes or no. I don't want to fiddle fuck around with yeah. like screwing around with someone and trying to trick them and, you know, like so, I want an interview. I want an interview. And there's a guy out there right now that doesn't mm-hmm. like his agent and wants to right. interview agents. That's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking to turn someone out. So but, cold calling, cold calling then has been a consistent thing in your business from boiler room to title to. I, I don't call expireds anymore. There was a time okay. where there was a but time. But you do teach and support that in your office. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so you, you have to get on the phone. Like if, if yeah, your you agents do. are doing it, you have to get on the phone. Uh, they're so uptight. Agents are so uptight and rigid. They don't do really simple things like when, when, well, for instance, if I'm calling an expired and yep. I say, I say, oh, I'm looking for someone to interview that, you know, I'm looking to see when you plan on interviewing the agents for the job of selling your house. And the person says, we've already picked an agent. Yeah. Like something really simple is, oh, come on. You haven't even met me yet. Like it's so right. simple and disarming where everyone else sounds like they have a stick up their ass. Sure. And they're just robotic and no one wants to talk to that guy. Right. So you, it, it and by could, the way, it's because everybody else sounds just like him. Yeah, you know, we talk like a lot ones. about like the authenticity and the humanity and all that stuff, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to be, uh, you, you, you're going to sound different if you have like a poise. I, I guess I'm lucky because I did so much sales. I sure. grew up in sales that I'm, I'm very like comfortable asking for things. Yeah. Well, it's the 12, 10,000 hour, 12,000 hour. There, there you go. I put in the hours, so yeah. I'm comfortable doing it. And I don't worry if someone hangs up on me at the finance company. There used to be, you know, this guy, Mark Hunt, who was great. He would stand up and say, uh, Watts, he would stand over me. He would stand over me and hassle me, haze me. Watts, I want you on the phone until the person hangs up with you. Like, mm-hmm. keep them on the phone until they hang up on you. Yeah. And so I'd be asking about the weather and he just wanted me to get over people hang up on me or the fear of people Dude, hanging up clutch. on me. The other thing he would do is there would be guys in the office. That they would, I mean, these are 23 year old guys. They would try to sound sophisticated. So they'd be like, uh, well, this is, you know, David Kloss or whatever with, we're wondering if you're making any capital acquisitions for your business, which doesn't mean anything, but they were trying to sound sophisticated. Right. Where Mark was like, watch, just say, hey, man, you buy equipment? That's funny. <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. I've always talked about um, about literally cold calling and instead of doing the whole like, hi, I recently, you know, discovered your house has come off the MLS as an expired <laughs> listing, blah, blah, blah. I've literally talked to my agents about, you know, you want the best script in the world. Use the one that nobody's using. When right. somebody answered the phone, they're like, hello. You're like, hey, I know your house is expired. You hiring another agent? Because if so, I want to interview. Yeah. Yeah. Let uh, me do you a favor. What? You know what I mean? Like, who yeah, cares? Let me like, do you because, a favor. because now you've thrown them off the routine of answering the other 300 calls that they already did because you're just another phone call to them. You There's know? so many things you can do. When yeah. the person answers, you could, I mean, you, you could, you could say, 
I'm on the hundredth caller. Like, do I get a prize for that? Yeah. I'm sure you're getting killed. Like there's all sorts of things you can do, but the worst thing you can do is just be a hard on about it. They can, what's like the guy who just, you know, starts in the bar and just hits on every girl. You've got no chance. Right. And I, I hate two things in sales. I, I hear it from the weakest sales managers, which is it's a numbers game. I don't like that. It's so already there that it makes me sick and timing is everything. It's like, no shit. Timing yeah. is everything. No shit. It's a numbers game. The question is how to make the numbers better and how to be there at the right time or how to make the right time now. You know, that's really the answer because we don't have all the time in the world. Yeah. Know? So now what you've done is you've taken two statements that everyone says that make it sound like, look, you're just going to luck into it if you right. make the right number of calls. And now like, and, and actually this, I think is, um, I mean, this is this, I, not that you haven't been dropping value, but like, this is the biggest shit right now for me. Like, I love this because agents don't ask themselves the right questions. They don't challenge themselves in the right way. And we, I just, uh, I just had an episode published a week or two ago about asking the right questions and doing something of value instead of like this circumventing bullshit. Right. And like, it's actually the episode that talks about all the fizzbos and all that, right. Uh -huh. Just be direct, yeah. say what you want, get what you want, whatever. And this whole idea, like it's a numbers game and timing is everything. It's like, well, how many numbers does it take and how do I get there at the right time? Now what you've done is what? You've shifted your mindset. You've altered your perspective. You've stepped away. You've stepped away from the norm and you've viewed that mountain from the other side. And you're like, oh, fuck, strategy. Now yeah. what's the tactical strategy to figure that out? Because right now it's a numbers game and timing is everything is I just have to call as many people as I can until I luck myself into the right time for that person. Well, look at what you talked about. You strategically, through direction, strategically knew that you needed to stay at a certain time of day in the time zones you were calling out across the country. So your business shifted from East Coast to West Coast like every single day because you wanted to be in that honey hole, right? So you knew that the timing was everything but this was the time. Yeah, exactly. And that is everything. And it is a numbers game. As long as you call in that time, you're going to have the highest conversion rate. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just like there's the idea that we have a spinning clock on the wall, right? Like it's timing is everything or it's just right. a numbers game. The clock doesn't spin, man. It's sand through an hourglass. Yep. The bills come once a month. They don't wait for you to make enough cold calls to find Boy, they someone. sure do, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, it, it just doesn't, that doesn't, those two statements. Let me make a note to myself. Pay bills, pay bills. Pay bills. Okay, it, perfect. I, I just, I, it, oh, the, it sound, those two statements always come from the sales guy who's not selling anything. Right. He's like the sales manager. Who well, is, it's an out. never making a sale. It's an out. It's a total excuse, right? Because you yeah, sit there I don't and have the like, answer well, for you, so work harder. Yeah, listen, I mean, timing's everything. And, and you know, sometimes it's it's, yep. it's the luck of the draw, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that fucking guy just called five minutes before me. It's like, well, then call five minutes before him. Yeah. You know, yeah. if timing is everything, then be the one person on time. Like, like no do it shit. intentionally, asshole. No shit timing right? is everything. Like, yeah. thanks for nothing. Uh, the Now, it's okay when someone just gets dealt a bad hand or you just yeah, get a bad yeah. beat and you could say, Hey, you know, we just need, you just, it, it's out there waiting for you. Yep. But if somebody's beating their head against the wall, you know, they, they need a little more help. They need like a little more direction, a little more guidance and um, a little more encouragement. Uh, there is a, there's a persistence piece to it. 
and yep. a patient's piece to it, right? Like they go together. If you if you know you're doing the right thing, you need to be patient. Absolutely. You can't abandon. It's rinse, lather, repeat. Like yeah, you got to play. You can't abandon it, but at the same time, you can't just beat your head against the wall and sound like a hard on on every call and expect right. to get anywhere. Because the best thing that happens is you get an appointment. And then you go out on the appointment and you suck on the appointment because right. you sound like you did on the phone. You lucked or, into the appointment because the numbers, it's an upside down pyramid, right? Yeah. It gets harder as you get to the ink on the paper. It just gets harder and harder. Yeah. So you made those a million phone calls to get the listing appointment, which you lucked into because it's just a numbers game and you were at the right place at the right time. Now you're going to go actually sell. You actually yeah. have to go put a suit on, go to the listing appointment and compete against people right. who are good who are experienced. Well, and I chuckle, I chuckle a lot at that because it, like so often I'll get a sales call that I'm happy to take because I feel like, Hey, I, I want other people to take my calls out. I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite, way. man. Like, <laughs> Hey, like, Hey, what's up, Johnny? Yeah, man. No, nah, I got health insurance. Nah, I know. I know. Hey, listen, I'll stay on the phone with you, but under one condition, I want you to close whatever the fuck you're reading in front of you <laughs> and just talk to me like a person because I've been talking to robots all day and I'm tired of the scripts. And like, and I'm not even joking, man. Like, they I don't do that all the time. They don't know what to do. And 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 the lesson learned from that is, look, you can use a script all you want on the phone, but what's your script when you're in front of them? Because the 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 problem that that and I and I train my agents so far away from this, and I know you do too. The problem is, is like when you if you're great at the script, that's great. But you, by God, better make sure when you're when it's closing time, when it is like, OK, now we're face to face. You better make sure that that script got put away in the briefcase and locked up because now it's humanity. Now it's now it's, it's like it's shoot from the hip. You have to know the person. I mean, that's like ninja stuff. You have to know yep. the personality type, know what type of clothes. Turn it on, turn it off. Yeah. And know how to close with them. And that that's it's the whole different area. The script will get you to a certain point. And in my opinion, well, it's I mean, great at teaching you. Everything. Yeah, timing's everything. And <laughs> I mean, it's really a numbers game. Uh, but the script will get you to a certain point. But there is a point where you're like, okay, fuck, like this guy's frustrated. Now I got, now I got to go. I got to go. Like he's frustrated. I can add value to a frustrated person. Yeah. Because I do X, Y, Z. Holy shit, this isn't in the script. Okay, that's okay. I can shine right now. I got this. Like, yeah, what yeah. would I do if I was talking to my bro? Like, what would I, you know what I mean? Like, so exactly. you got to know when to pivot. And what I tell people is scripts used to be, I mean, back in the 90s, because you're an old dog now, man. Like, you're up there. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, but back in the 90s, like, like, boiler room was different back in the 90s than boiler room is today. Well, there's a way, demand. I, I, was, I was around before the do not call registry. Right, bro. <laughs> I mean, you were around when cell phones were the size of the bricks on the houses, I was, you know, like you, you I was around before cell phones. You had to lift, bro. You had to lift to pick up that cell phone. Right. No. But the thing is, is people get so reliant on the script that they stop realizing that the script was always intended to be a guideline. Right. Yeah. You that, jump like, in and out of it. Yeah. You jump in and out of it. And it's like people go, well, the script is consistency. Yeah, it totally is. But like you can actually take a script and like manipulate the words to sound like you and then be consistent with that and not sound like everybody else, but deliver the same message. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the important part about the script uh, for me is just the closing questions on mm -hmm. it. It has some really important closing questions. And 
you know, you can talk about the paint on the house, the color, well, the carpet, the drapes, like whatever. But eventually, if it's a FISBO, you have to ask them, when are you going to interview agents? Right. If this doesn't work out for you. You've got to ask that question. Right. And they've already told you four or five times at the beginning of the call, they're going to hang up on you. If right. this is an agent call. But they haven't hung up on you. Yeah. You got to ask the question, <laughs> right. though. You got to let them hang up on you because there's, there's no point in doing what you said earlier, right. which is play that game where you pretend you're not a realtor right. trying to get a listing. Well, because Stop pretending that. because here's the difference. And there's a there's a great book. In fact, I probably let me see. Um, there's a great book that it's called Never Split the Difference Negotiating as if your life depended on it. And if I haven't referenced it 100 times already, I will be referencing it 100 times later. But this guy, Chris Voss, used to be uh, like an FBI hostage negotiator, like in the international terrorist crisis. Like I mean, in Philadelphia. Like, Dude, I gotta be honest. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I love this but guy. This guy is. I love this freaking guy. Insane. And don't lose my spot there because I'm reading it for like the fifth time. But there's I'm taking notes on this one part because it's actually this is so funny. That I'm I'm building a sales meeting on this right now about the power of no. Get people to say no. We get so accustomed to this idea that like on that Fisbo call and that expired call and that whatever. If we set that trap and we get the three yeses then like we can close. And it's funny how we're empowering and how much control the people feel they have. If you let them say no, let them hang up on you. No's not no forever. It's temporary. Like is, it, is, is this the, you, I'm sorry. Dude, no, I'm so dude, sorry go. To interrupt you. This is the guy that, yeah. Uh, he was the black swan. Yeah. He, um, yeah, the black swan. He, he, uh, he, this guy's awesome. He, he cut his teeth doing, um, suicide hotline yeah dude yes and actually yeah no i, 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 I just I've read this this guy's awesome I've, I've read this a couple of times but it's really funny and like the oh my gosh it, it there's so much it actually made me want to go do suicide hotline i've actually considered doing I, it after, not even after a, not even a joke it. because he it, i thought it was fascinating how uh one of the things he said which kind of brought it back i heard him in an interview he was on um like the art of manliness or one of these yeah. podcasts. And Dude, I would be in heaven if, if Chris, <laughs> if you're out there and, and I love Keith Watts, Keith Watts is the man, but you're so much fucking cooler than he is. And if you ever want to come like drop some fucking knowledge on this crowd, Dude, no, but this book is sick. Yeah, no, he's amazing. And that never split the difference thing is like, that's Dr. Karras. Have you read so Effective good. Negotiating? No. He's a USC professor, man. Wow, so Kar I mean, I feel like I already mastered it, you but I'll check it, it out. <laughs> Karras was a hostage negotiator years before this guy. Um, and his he, he wrote a book called Effective Negotiating. And uh, it, one of his things is it's not a good negotiation splitting the difference. Right. Like that's just never take that. Well, his whole never Chris take that is, position. Like either you have value, you don't have value. We, we went down a, a different point, fork on this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we went down a different fork in this conversation, but I love it because what 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 he talks about is the whole idea of never split the difference is, dude, all right, you're selling a house. So like, all right, it appraised 20 grand low. So you come up 10, I'll come down 10. All right, let's let's switch that for a minute. Your so appraiser? there's no like hypothetical your appraiser or my appraiser. Fucking not my appraiser. <laughs> no, like that's but that's the idea, right? And agents right. like, well, how about you come up and I'll come down and like whatever. Well, but in this guy, it, it, Chris lays it out and says, okay, now let's put people in there. There's two hostages. So I get one and you kill the other. Yeah. Exactly. We split the difference, right? Same thing, right? So who, the fu who fucking won? So the, the secret, 
the secret and and he talks about this in the book right is like making is first of all it's the power of no it's mastering no getting someone to say no gives them power and authority and they in the sensation of being in control if you understand the position they're in when they say no now you can you can pivot you it's can true. play and then you move to the next thing because now they don't feel threatened by you. Like the, the, literally the the part I was reapproaching on this was w the part where he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, it's when people ask stupid questions like, hey, do you drink water? Yeah, I fucking drink water. What are you trying to get? E like, that's an easy yes. I want to say no just to be able to say no. But I know you know that I'm a liar if I say that. So like I have to answer yes. Like I can't. You know what I mean? And like yeah, it, giving them the power and authority. But I find this book is a good one. Yeah, dude. no, that that, guy, that guy's unbelievable. He, I don't even remember how the hell we started down this path. But like that's a good fucking book. Well, th this is actually <laughs> really important too. And I I think I mean if if it's about bettering yourself as a realtor, like learning what it takes. Because I know new agents come in and they're just white knuckling and. Well, yeah, they're white knuckling and they're, um, you know, they're just like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Right. And I, they, a lot of the title reps would ask me, well, what did you do? And I would lay out what I did. Sure. And it's the same with railroads. I lay out what I did. Well, you know, I would get up, I'd go work out and then I would go door knocking for two hours. And the next question, did I get you business? No, not really. But it, it put my brain in a place. A place where business came right like that that hard work like that ambition that determination that it set you up emotional investment i'd go home at night and i'd read like in the news i would go read realty times yeah like just that investment in the craft like i need to know the ins and outs of this so that if a conversation comes up i'm ready to rock like i need to learn about negotiation i need to read Karis effective negotiating i need to read split the difference i need you know i I'll drop I'll drop uh, in the show notes. So go to rerod.com. I'll drop in the show notes so you can remember the book. So don't forget you can check that out um, in case. Yeah. You there's, I mean, there's, 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 yeah. Uh, there's hundreds. There's a ton of them. Yeah. There's hundreds of books. I mean, the message is always go, educate. Yeah. yeah. You, you ha if you're not investing in what, if you're not investing in learning, because this business is so brutal, no one, I, I guarantee you the top agents are so much smarter than any of the sales trainers. And, um, you know, the sales trainers aren't really selling most of them. And so you're going to go throw yourself at the mercy of them. If you're going to survive, you have to do it on your own, you know, or get yeah. or find a, a source like this where you're going to get honest information and people are going to, you know, you're going to get a little guidance. But people even have to find this, you know, like you have to be out on the search for it. Yeah. You always have to be searching for well, so what are they, so to make they, yourself better. So ABC is... Always be closing. All right. And ABC could also be always be curious. Yeah. Always be curious true. because when your when your curiosities are gone, then you feel like you finished learning, like you know everything. And unfortunately, in this business, too many people feel like they know everything. You've got to you always be curious. <laughs> like if if there's a question, don't just seek the answer. Like seriously, I, and I use the phrase rabbit hole all the time. Unfortunately, I just I'm a I'm you know, I'm just a bastard like that, like saying the same shit over and over because my vocabulary sucks. But like, always be curious, go down that path a little bit further and explore it. Like it's not just because the answer is simple doesn't mean you shouldn't understand more about what's behind it and like educate yourself, like understand the fucking rationale behind stuff that comes up. Like that's the whole 
that that's it that's it you always got to keep learning always be closing always be curious always learn always go after that info man i had a uh, i had like a down moment like i was emotionally down one time and i called my big sister and she was complimenting me and she that was a compliment she gave me she's like you're curious yeah and she said it like no one had ever said that to me like ever in my life no one had ever said you're curious i i've had other compliments fortunately but no one had ever said that. And I thought about it. And I'm like, wow, I, I guess that is like a really, that's an important trait. Yeah. But you're, you're spot on. It's so funny. That was like a month ago. Yeah. And I'd never even heard it. And now we're, we're having the same talk about it. So, But I see, when you're in that mindset. Completely. Yeah. When you're in that mindset, gotta like, be. it presents itself. And it gives, you, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. Everyone has a different level of faith. And, you know, whether you believe in God or greater power or spirits or nothing when you die, it doesn't matter. But like the point is, is like, you know, if you're a spiritual person, and you believe in like things, you know, put it out, it comes back or karma or what goes around comes around. Like if you, you know, God doesn't God doesn't do the work for you. Right. Like God presents the opportunity for you to grow through that moment. So like if you're presented with, you know, a challenge you're like, well, God, I told you I wanted to be better at this. It's like, cool. And I'm giving you the opportunity to to play with it. Now, I don't care. Just chill out if you don't believe in God. OK, fuck you. It, just relax. <laughs> all right. It's not this isn't a religious dialogue. And and by the way, I don't really care whether you do or not. My point in all of this is pick pick a path, um, you know, accept the challenge, accept the opportunity to grow through the challenge instead of being pissed off and motherfuck the world. Like, just accept the challenge and go, cool. Like, I was in that moment. I asked for the opportunity to learn X, Y, Z. Like, the challenge presented itself. Oh, holy shit. On the flip side, that's how I learned. I, I'm, I, I'm actually more, I feel more sorry for the agents that just start off. And I, this sounds crazy. Just start off. Maybe they get five or six great deals. Yeah. And, they make a bunch of money, and I've seen this so many times. Or maybe it's and they're gone in two years smoking anyway. Smoking hot chick, you know, whatever it is, or yeah. great looking guy, or whatever, and they're doing super well, and the stuff's just falling out of the sky. But they, they don't have any of the grit that like gets you through, right? Because they didn't do these things. They, they didn't, didn't get the they mud didn't on go the dig. Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they didn't get through the war. Yeah, they didn't cross the desert, and that's that's sort of the stuff that you, you if you want to be in it long term. Uh, and you know, we only eat what we kill. Like that. Right. The, I love the, that saying. The reality is you've, you've, you've got to figure out a way I, that when I was at the finance company, I remember the, the kind of like getting a listing appointment is not getting you the listing for sure. us. Getting an application was the loan application. It wasn't getting us the loan. Yep. And, uh, so they would always just like stress, Hey man, if, if you don't have an app, bring your freaking pillow. Right. You're here until right. you get one. Right. And uh, it was that sort of attitude of sometimes times are are tough. Sometimes there's just shitty trends, shitty seasons. So let's it's talk tougher. on that. Tell, 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 you talked about a down moment, you know, a month ago. Sister, big sister pulls you through and like gives you some, yeah, you know, a little love there to pull you through. Can you talk about, talk about a time? I, it doesn't matter if it's title or, or as a real estate agent or anything like what, Talk about a time that your business was in the shitter or that you just were in oh. what not. And maybe your business was thriving, but you personally were in a bad time. Like, tell us about the darkest moment you've had in your career. And how the fuck did you get out of that? Uh, I'm I'm lucky. Like, I've got I've got like a great wife, a great 
like family. My parents are still in Kodo. Yeah. You know, I grew up in this area. I've got lots of SC friends, like still in the area. It's not I've a got, contest, bro. I know. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> so like, I chill, just chill out, bro. All right. I love my wife too. Chill out. <laughs> I, I, I've got, I've got a lot of my supports. What, uh, 2010 was the worst year of my life because, uh, I was cranking in title. Yep. My life had been on a complete, perfect upward trajectory. Yep. And I was watching these realtors printing money in 2005 to 2006. Yep. And I got very jealous of them because I felt like I was a better salesperson. Um, and I didn't like them looking down on me because I was lower on the food chain because I was a title rep. Yep. So I decided to become a realtor in 2007, which for anyone who knows Southern California real estate, probably a pretty bad year to go into real estate when you have a yeah. mortgage children and by the way it seems like it seems like that trend hit nationwide but there were some markets that were probably a bit more volatile and yeah. the luxury markets really it was insane it I took mean, a it was it took a desperate dive. yeah and i did the same thing i've always done which is i started just where can i get income in my profession sure and so i pursued the reo me and a billion other agents pursued getting REO business. Sure. I had a little advantage in that I'd been a title rep. Okay. So I, I understood how to entertain. I would go, you know, and I got I got myself in just through You the find acumen. all the people that are screwed and then offer them free booze and then you get the well, no, you, you're looking for asset managers. <laughs> you're looking no, for, you know, the it. asset disposition yeah. companies. And they're there to party, you know, and uh, and I would go to these things and I just, I worked really hard on creating a network. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, uh, the, the my wife got laid off because the economy was so bad. Okay. And we had young kids and uh, my wife was like, we're, we're, we're going to lose our house, which was so fucking common around here. I don't even know if people realize the percentages. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. Yeah. And so I moved my family into an apartment um, and I rented my house out. And uh, what that do to you mentally? Like I was a pile on the floor because yeah. my life had been a perfect upper trajectory. Yep. And even when I went from title into real estate, like my first week, I got six listing appointments because I was cranking the phones. Wow! But I, I was, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I had to pay the bills, and so I was cranking it, and um, it di it didn't work. You know, I got all these listings; they all expired because at that time the only thing was selling was short sales and REO because the average seller didn't have the stomach for the price reduction necessary to sell their house. Okay. So everything was REO or short sale or RELO, which is all covered by asset disposition companies. So uh, if you weren't in with one of those, like Vardis or, you know, an REO company or whatever. Sure. Um, and that's a real network, man. It's hard to crack in. Uh, then I had no business and I was doing broker price opinions and just whatever I could to earn 40 bucks, 50 bucks at a time. Sure. And move the family into the apartment and like, Walked in. I thought I had such a positive attitude about it. Um, this is going to be a year or whatever. And I remember just going into the closet. The first, my wife is so awesome. She, she's like, we're together. You know, we're, we're in a safe place. Yeah. Like just being as supportive as it could be. And I walked into the closet of that uh, apartment bedroom and I just sat there like, 
son of a bitch. This is horrible. This is not at all. Like, this wasn't the plan. Almost like I don't want to compare it to prison. It wasn't prison, but but you, you know when yeah. the, the jail cell door hits, it's real. It's, it's real. real. Like yeah. that's where you're at. There's no bullshit. It's, it's a dark minute. Yeah, and it was like, and and you're here for a little while, and uh, uh, yeah, that was in. I I got I busted my ass. Uh, it wasn't me. It was the market turned. Yeah, I wish I could take credit for it. You know, I mean, it's a numbers the, the, game the market, and, and timing is really everything. <laughs> timing is everything. And the, uh, the, mar- yeah. the, the market turned. I, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. It's just the market turned, you know. And yeah. uh, and also, I, I mean, my marketing, I was door knocking. Sure. I was doing you stuff in the community. Yeah. And so after a couple of years, people started to know my name. So people, uh, at the preschool, they, like start asking me questions about, so persistence estate. pulled you out. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, market changed, but at the end of the changed. day, when the market changes and gets better, there's a yeah. major influx of people. Yeah. yeah. But, but a lot of people come into the market at that time. And I will tell you, uh, I think we all know there's a lot of, I won't call it luck, but like a lot of people hop in and go, fuck yeah, man. Like I know for sure. I got two listings right when I come in because, you know, Uncle Johnny is waiting right. for me and, and, and Aunt Sally said that she'd throw me a bone to her friend and, yep. you know, whatever, as soon as I come into the business. And so I'll make a quick 20, 30, 50, 100 grand. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I think I'm an agent and then I don't know why I failed in two years. Right. So, but, but your persistence and angry and this is yeah. tough. And so yeah. tell me about, so, so tell me about your mindset and all of this. Like how, how did you control the, the negative energy that came about with all of this and like convert that into action because i mean at some point uh and no pun intended uh, you had to come <laughs> out of the closet and, and get your fucking ass back to work hit the fields and like do your thing right so like how did you get out of that prison cell mentally and keep and keep focused positively to a point that a it not did it didn't like kill your business and you still were motivated enough to play was it the fear and b it didn't ruin your marriage did yeah, ruin your relationship with your kids. I well, I know, and she was pregnant. We moved into a two bedroom apartment. It was the two of us with your kid. Oh uh, yeah, well we, oh, had, okay. we had two kids, and she was pregnant <laughs> with a third. Okay, and we moved into a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. But uh, look, it she it was her. She was just like super positive. You know, so you surround like, yourself um, with the right people. I mean, you had you had yeah. your wife, of course. Yeah, no, but you uh, really critical. relied on each other. I relied on a lot. Like I yeah. relied on my parents. So I would go. They have a big house, so you know we would go over there and swim. And like I would just try to stay as positive as I could. I remember um, not wanting to be in the apartment. Yeah, you know, like every night I was out at the park with the kids. Yep. You know, like I just, I didn't want to keep you from being claustrophobic. Yeah. I just, it was like being in the phone booth with a badger. Like I just didn't, it felt, I didn't want to be in there. So I just didn't, I don't like to feel negative. So, uh, I just was constantly doing whatever I could, which is such a weird byproduct. You take your kids to the park. All of a sudden you're sitting on the park bench talking to someone. Yeah. What do you know? They want to buy a house. Right. Or, you know, you go. I like, mean, it's a it's a timing thing. Timing's everything. <laughs> you just were in the right place. The I right was time. just in, luckily in the right place. You talk right to time. enough people at the park. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. <laughs> it's true. But that, I mean, that that's what I would go down to the community pool. Like, I just didn't want to be in the apartment. Yeah. Which uh, all, all that stuff leads to opportunities. And if, it pushed you out. It yeah. pushed you out into the community. Yep. So get a smaller place. 
and get your ass out of that spot. Well, <laughs> there's something to that. Like, yeah, no, I'm for real. Like, that's what I'm saying. It yeah, almost, like if what it sized you down and pushed you out. That it was a really important lesson. I I look back on my ego with like such shame at that time. Like leading up to that. Wow. Like I I really do. Like I'm really embarrassed at the way I looked at things. Like that's I, powerful. I thought. Uh, I thought that I was on this. I thought I was entitled to the house my dad had. I thought I was entitled to all these things just for whatever reason, just because I'm me. And uh, I had worked through some things, yeah. but you don't realize how much help you're getting. you know. Right. And then you get to a certain spot where people can't help you. They're working on themselves. Like sure. a shitty economy. Yep. You know, people are in a position. It's humbling no in, in a, a lot of ways. Help you. Yeah. The whole market goes to shit. So I just kind of crossed that desert and, uh, it was, uh, it was just family and friends and just trying to stay positive. There wow. was, uh, unfortunately there was no magic. If there was, I would have found it. I was looking like hell. I mean, I was really, well, and you weren't it. the guy who came from a background of like not hustling. Like you weren't in a complacent mode your whole fucking career. Like you were the guy who was always on the phones, who was not afraid to door knock, not afraid to do that stuff, provides good service. There's all these things like you were hustling. I was hustling. I was doing yeah. I, my, my schedule was I would go to the YMCA on Crown Valley. I would swim a mile and then I would, I would put on a suit. I would door knock from nine to 11. I would go home. My goal was 125 doors a day. Sure. And uh, it's a lot of doors. That got me nothing. Yeah. Because the economy was such shit. Uh, so, you but, know. And in case I feel really bad, I feel like maybe everybody missed the magic pill. <laughs> I, I feel like they did. Hang on. Let me just, let me back up for a minute. In case you missed the magic, like here's, here's the golden nugget because I want to make sure everybody got it. Um, you have to fucking work. It the the magic pill is get your ass out of your chair and do something. Pick up the phone, knock on the door, send the fucking mail out, go do something. You, you have, have to, to hustle. Action. You have action. to be taking action. Everybody's like, well, I mean, what I really was hoping to do, yeah, but did your actions support what you were hoping to do? Because the action becomes the truth. I think people underestimate how much action you need to take. Fuck yes. Way underestimate how much action you need to take. Like, uh, and people are so tied to outcomes. Like, if you, you need to be tied to action, not outcomes. Uh, I mean, I love that. I'm I'm writing like, that down. You, you you just when you get on the phone with someone, you can't be imagining yourself with the sign in the yard, and you know, like you just have to be glad you're on the phone talking to someone and do your best. But like, if you're always attached to the outcomes, you're gonna you're you're gonna do stupid things. You're gonna get commission breath. You're probably not even gonna, probably not even gonna do the right thing for your client, right? You know where you just you just need to take a lot of action, and if you do that, then you'll have opportunities, and if you have opportunities, and then you can fine tune. You can fine tune as you go, figure out what the best actions are, and like kind of fine tune. So let me let me do this. Um, first of all, I love the cadence of this interview because I thought in like you know three minutes I was gonna get your fucking. You know, idea of business, but somebody over here talks a lot. And uh, no, but I love this because I feel like your career is kind of like unfolded over the course of this interview. And uh, and this is great. So I'm going to kind of rapid fire a couple questions at you. Yeah. And you've got experience, not as just a boiler room master, but from the title side, completely different perspective. Yeah. Totally uh, different. And then as the agent who has successfully built a, a brokerage, which... 
you're not the broker, but you're an agent. I'm the office manager. So my, okay. my wife is the broker of okay. record. Um, that goes back to the REO days where like they weren't giving, uh, they weren't giving REO to white dudes anymore. Gotcha. I got a little late to that party. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, like you had to be a minority business owner. Interesting. To even get your foot in the door. And in California, True story. California wow. women are uh, minority business owners. Wow. So my wife is brilliant. That's a real thing? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. My wife is brilliant. And uh, I said, we, we got to have you as the broker. If this is you know going to work. She's smart enough. I mean, she's really smart. Now, is she it really her... proactive in the business today? She's the accountant. Okay. She's the accountant. So you guys have, I guess where I'm going with all this is you guys have a ton of perspective. Right. I mean, you've been you've seen this business from so many different angles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now now you've not only been a successful title rep, you've been a successful agent. You your wife has, you know, started the brokerage under her name, I guess, but like you've you've managed that, grown it. Yeah, I'm the office manager of record, so I can sign everything. I'm yep. like I'm not pretending to be her. No, no, no. I totally get that. <laughs> um, but like she's, you know, she's got her role in the business. You've got uh-huh. yours. Yep. Um, you've seen this industry and this business as an agent, as a manager, as a team leader, as a business builder. So I'm going to rapid fire a couple questions at you and suck every last little piece of whatever I can get out of you before we got to wrap this interview up. Don't take that the wrong way. Go for it. it. Go for it. So what... Uh, so what I want to know right now is what is the most overrated piece of advice that agents are currently getting? <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's I would okay. say it's going to be one of the two things it's I okay. told you. It's all numbers game. And I don't see, I don't know what other agents are getting. I'm not in offices. Right. I, I'm in a bubble. I'm, I'm, I can only tell you what I'm, That's okay. what I'm telling agents. I, I feel like though, if I go back to my career, it was those two things. It was, sure. it's a numbers game. Timing is everything. I so feel like that was the are, two things that I would get, which is it's not very valuable. It's just sort of a actually, it's a good real, realization in my opinion. I think I think you're undervaluing how valuable that is because <laughs> I really do. I think that I think that that perspective is unique, and most people aren't realizing that, including myself. I I haven't been, I haven't posed the questions that way. Like you know, may have come to that realization in a roundabout different kind of path, but that's a very simple way to alter the perspective. So let me, let me rephrase and ask a slightly different question. When agents come into your brokerage and, and, and come into your office, what is most commonly the skill set that needs the, the most work? Oh, I think, I think it's the curiosity. I think you hit the nail on the head. Interesting. I really do. I, I think that people um, are looking for you to spoon feed them. And there's just no way because what works for me doesn't work for someone else. I fucking love, I love you right now. <laughs> I, I really do because guys and, and the whole Rerock community has to, I mean, hit that rewind button and listen to that again, because I don't care if you're joining a brokerage or joining a team, nobody owes you shit. Nobody's going to spoon feed you. If somebody says they're giving you the leads, don't assume that those leads are like, cool. So I just have to show up and sign the paperwork. No, they fucking require nurturing and, and, and relationship building and follow up. And like, it's not going to be an easy path. Like nobody's going to spoon feed you everything. And by the way, at the end of the day, there's only one person responsible for your calendar, your schedule, your shit of, of things to do. Even if they spoon feed you, what works for them might not work for you. And that's the second part of it is what that, and, and that's, you know, it's funny is, in episode zero, which um, shout out to myself, 
Um, if you in episode zero, if you didn't listen to go back and listen to it, the whole reason we do three different formats on this is one, because it keeps me way more interested, but also uh, because not everybody is impacted equally by the same things. So some people want the 20 minute sales meeting. Somebody some people want the interview. Some people want the ramble sessions, which are probably no less vulgar than this. But like the the whole point is, is that exactly that what works for me doesn't work for you and what works for you now may not work for you later yep so you got to stay curious because the market changes technology changes patterns and trends change we've got plenty of time to be curious like Fuck any yeah. agent who thinks they're so freaking busy is just wrong you've, you've got time you've got time to investigate and learn so find it and get better make you it. do there's i've I don't care how busy you are. You've got the time. If, if, if you're so busy, then I guess you can take a break on being curious and just print money. But everyone else has the time. But, you know, it's funny. If you're so busy and you're only making like 20 grand, then <laughs> then so really busy doing? then you're really busy doing a lot of the wrong shit. Yeah. And you've you got a so false sense of busy, busy doing well, the I'm, wrong shit. <laughs> I'm blown away by agents I can't reach. And I look them up and they sold three houses last year. It's like, what the, why the fuck are you so hard to reach? What are yeah. you doing? And then they have the nerve to tell me they're in a meeting. You right. weren't in a meeting with who? Mom. <laughs> yeah. Because mom wanted to go over the bank account yeah, and tell me how much know. money my phone bill People was. People have time. You have to you have to be searching and better yourself and like learn more. Like you have to. You have to figure it out. It's kind of a puzzle. And everyone has their own puzzle to solve on how they're gonna figure it out and get better. So here's here's what I want to finish with, and this this could go for a couple minutes, of course, but here's what I want to finish with because I'd be remiss if I didn't recall this from earlier in the conversation. A um, couple of golfer guys here. I don't know if you golf a shitty game or not. Uh, Callaway really pitches this game improvement stuff, and I got to tell you, my fucking game didn't get a single bit better while I was there, uh, which is why I sold the clubs and I didn't, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't end up being a pro golfer, but. Uh, you talked about working at Roger Dunn and uh-huh. you said you 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 learned so much about it and, and about the way to run a business from Roger Dunn. And it a was, lot of how you run your business now relates to completely. how Roger Dunn runs. So here's here's what I want to finish with today. And and everybody listen to structure and, and what we've got here with Keith. What is it? that Roger Dunn did right? And what is your focal point now that is making you successful? They hired a guy named Tim, uh, who was my manager. Okay. And he was a lifer. So we'll call Tim. Fuck it. All right. Thanks I everybody. Would, well, uh, wish no, he could. <laughs> <laughs> wish he could. He died. Not to end on a bad note. Oh, well, great. I, I, I weeped when I heard that he died. Like, no oh, joke. Man. Um, this guy was so important. Uh, just in the, um, the dignity of customer service. Like customer Big service time. is something people preach all the time. Yep. And they even but. they even do it tongue in cheek. But the dignity, the dignity in customer service, and if, and if people who are in Mission Viejo or Lake Forest will remember Tim at Roger Dunn. I mean, he was a legend. And just the dignity about customer service he had um, and the way he treated us. And he just sort of, he was a great leader. So can you clarify that, the dignity in customer service? So clarify what you mean by that. Well, I I feel like a lot of people, when they say it, it's bullshit. Sure. And it's bullshit because they feel maybe they're subservient or they're being subjugated. Yep. By servicing, you know what I mean? By being on that end of things. Absolutely. Whereas he did it with dignity. Like he felt like it was noble 
to give sure. to give the customer. The customer's always right. It was not like a mandate. It was an opportunity for him. Fuck yeah. And uh if if there was ever a crossroads and his ego was on the line, and it always was, he would always defer happily to the customer. And Amazing. just to watch him check his ego, you know, like look, Sunday night, we all want to go home. Especially like those were golfers. So like there was majors. Everyone was recording the majors. Big time. Those guys that worked there wanted to go home. And man, I can't tell you how many times he would lock the door and a guy would pull up in his car and want to buy something. And he's he like, would walk uh, around the counter and unlock the door and let yeah. the guy in. And all of us 18, 19 year olds were, fuck you, Tim. You know? Yeah. But over time, I, I do, you didn't do we, appreciate that until do we now. have a minute? I, I I literally have like a uh, dude. Put, we have as much time okay, as you want. I, but I, I wanted had, to end on this because I felt like well, there was a important. powerful story. I don't know here. when people. I don't know when people have this. I had a moment of clarity. Like I had the moment of clarity. So here's the light in my moment. life. It, I really did. Okay, which was uh, I was I was a golf club gripper, which meant I just sat in the back. Uh, I, I wanted to get on the sales floor. Okay. Um, and when all the clubs were done gripping, I could go to the sales floor and earn a commission. I could go to the shoe department. That's where the first guys, I wasn't qualified to sell clubs. Got it. So I would just grip clubs just back there, grip, grip, grip. And I would want to rip through them. And they would do these 99 cent grip specials and people bring in their great grandfather's fucking golf clubs. And it was just a nightmare. And, uh, I mean, it would dry out my hands. They'd crack and bleed. It was oh, yeah. a miserable job. And, uh, There'd be stacks and I would look at the stacks and I go, okay, I got 17 stacks of clubs to get through today. And um, then I can go out on the sales floor. So I'd be busting my ass. And then somebody would walk back with a set of clubs and be like, hey, can you grip these right now? And I had this really poisonous, venomous, well, fuck you. You know, these people waited. Right. Can't you wait? And it was really, it was a really toxic thing that was stirring in me. Interesting. And it was developing over like an eight-week period. Okay. And uh, I didn't know how toxic it was, but I started to get angry and like... Dude, uh, I'm so excited about the story right now. I know. Keep going. <laughs> so I like... People would come back and I would start to fucking ignore them. Like I wouldn't lift my head up. I would just be gripping the golf clubs and like yep. not, not lift my head up. And, uh, and they'd just stand there and then I'd finally look up. Hey, Tim said you could do this. And I'd, oh, fuck Tim. You know, give me those clubs. All right, I'll do them, you know, begrudgingly. And so it just got very venomous and very mean. And then one day I walked into work and Tim leaned over the counter and shook my hand like, hey, it's really good to have you here, Keith. I I love the fact that we hired you. And like all of a sudden, and it wasn't fake. I mean, like when I say dignity, it was legit. Because I I showed up on time. My dad taught me to show up on time, even though I'm a half hour late for this. Uh, I, I, well, I, the I USC would, alum could you know, I, fucking I, I get to I the right office. It's all I right. would show up. I would show up <laughs> early. So he leaned over the counter and just shook my hand. And yep. I thought, I really like that guy. And I went back. And I started gripping clubs. And it, sure enough, a dude showed up. And he had a couple clubs in his hand. And I was doing my bullshit where I ignored him. And I kind of, he was so polite, this guy. And I looked up and he reminded me of my dad, his demeanor. And it made me feel really guilty. And like all at once, mm-hmm. I felt like I was kind of shitting on my dad. And at the same time, like, I'm not the boss here. Right. What the hell is going through my head? Tim's the boss. This guy, respect. He sent him back here. Right. Like, this is not 
now this you little closet him. is where I spend all my time. Right. It's not my world. Right. Like I'm not in charge of this. And uh, I said to the guy, I go, dude, I'd be like, all of a sudden the light went on. I was freed from all that venom. Mm -hmm. It all left my system. Mm -hmm. And I said, dude, I would love, I would love to grip those. Let, let me have them. I'll do them right now. Hey, it's pretty lonely back here. We hang out and talk to me while I do it. And the guy, how excited was that guy? The guy goes, yeah, of course. You, you go to college around here. It started talking. And then I did the same thing with everyone that would come back. And I started getting tips. Yeah. Just uh, people start tipping me $20 sometimes. And yeah. that was a day's work back then. You know, yep. this is the 80s practically. So, I mean, that was a day's work. And uh, it was just my attitude change opened up that opportunity you know, the fact that I was treating these people that I had sort of understood the, the customer service ethos. Yeah. Like it made me money. Yep. It didn't make me subjugated to them. Yeah. And a lot of people feel like the, the sales is like the only place to make your dough and like to make your commission. But the truth of the matter is, is it's your customer service and the experience that the consumer has with you. Like this, like how much your testimonial is worth. Yeah. How much are your client testimonials worth? Are, they're worth more than any advertising you could ever do. Yeah. I'm, I'm always blown away. And by, if you have to ask for them, by the way, they're they're not worth as much, just FYI. I'm, I'm always blown away by, <laughs> by agents that turn it over to their TC. or I mean, really turn it over. Sorry, bro. After they book the deal. No, no. I know you don't. I know you don't do that. I mean, like. No, Aaron's involved and she does her part, but I'm still team you're captain, still involved. man. Like, I'm the, I, you, don't, you don't call Aaron. You call me. I'm blown away by the people, the people that disconnect because yeah. like that one client, um, we're an escrow now. Thanks you can, for your money. Yeah. If you can That's stay bullshit. tethered to them, right. Through good customer service, through high communication. Like if I'm guilty of anything with my clients, it's over communicating. Right. And it's just, it's, it's what I learned there that like people want that attention. I mean, this is their biggest asset. And from that, that's really like, if I can attribute any of my business growth, it's just from not, not working towards the commission, but working towards that client testimonial. Absolutely. If I can get that client testimonial, I'll get more, more business, Big right? Time. Like, yep. that's really my marketing plan. It's not all the other bullshit. And by the way, they don't even have to necessarily leave that testimonial directly with you. It's, it's about the fact that they walk out the door and they're going to talk about you to so many people. Yeah. And that is the testimonial. That's That was and that's Nordstrom's the, legendary service model. Yeah. Is like they created this thing called legendary service. I don't know if you know this. It was like a, it was a program they created. Mm -hmm. An idea is a legend is a story that's retold. So Nordstrom had a, a business model. I think they even patented it, dude. And it's it's called legendary service. The, the, the point being... You, you give such good service that it becomes a story that someone wants to retell. Um, and I mean, like my, my dad always explained it. You go to Nordstrom and you buy a dress shirt, tell the lady, you know, I, I'm on my way to a meeting. She'll iron it for you. You know, like, let me iron that for you if you're going to put it on right now. Whereas a normal yeah. person... Here, here's your shirt. Yeah, Fuck sorry, off. that's not something we do. Yeah, sorry, yeah. you know, yeah, that's we're not a dry cleaner. Scoff at you, and yeah. so it's uh, that that model, that idea of what you said. Even if they don't leave a testimonial, if the legend of your service, well, think about this. On. Someone, someone would call Callaway and they'd say, "Hey, man, I gotta, I gotta talk to you guys about that new burner." And I'm I'm sitting there like, "Oh shit, uh, wow, this is embarrassing for you. That's tailor made." <laughs> fucking idiot 
anyway, TaylorMade sucks. And uh, no, you know, like they would they would call in and I'd, I'd be like, you know, part of me would smile because I'm like, ha ha, you, you called us, you know, whatever. But you know what we were taught to do is to transfer the call. Yeah. And and I, you know, be like, oh, actually, you know what? Um, I think you're you're calling about TaylorMade, the, the burner, the white one. the Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, who did I call? It was Callaway. Oh, that's not a Callaway club. No, that's TaylorMade. But you know what? It's a good club. Uh, did you have any questions about any Callaway product or would you like me to transfer you to TaylorMade? And they're like, you would do that? Yeah, of course I would. Would you like the number just in case we get lost in the transfer? You have that? Well, I'll, I, not offhand. I don't really memorize their number, but I'd be happy yeah. to pull it up real quick if you hang for 32 <laughs> seconds, you know? And and it's amazing. I, I, I'll never know. I will literally never know how many people came to Callaway to buy clubs because of that. But I'll tell you right now, dude, just my own mental, my own inner energy, yeah. like my own shit felt so much better when I was like, that's the, I mean, you know, what, let me just the dignity. Let me just help you. That's yeah, what I mean the about dignity. the dignity of let the me help you. service. And this is the clarifying. I'm getting the chills thinking about it. But like, that's the that's the thing. Like you just you like, you know what? People love to be helped. People don't like the you know you know what fuck you that's tailor made no dude look they make they make good stuff we're not going to win every deal and by the way i how awesome is it that i'm not threatened by the fact that, of course i'd be happy to transfer Very powerful. You. do you have that transfer button no i got to punch the number in but i'm happy to what do you think i'm fucking i i'll just do it it's not that big of a deal you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean like it's and, really powerful yeah, i mean but something that means nothing like think about the value of that over the course of a lifetime it literally means nothing and if something that meant nothing becomes a talking point, literally a talking point. Something that like, hey, that guy transferred my call. If someone's talking about the fact that you transferred a call, think about how powerful that insignificant, shitty, 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 nothing moment in their life just meant to them. I know it's the true. dignity in customer service and you, my friend, defined it with Tim. <laughs> I know and defined I was, it. I, I'm God rest you, his soul. Guy, like I'm, Really, Amazing. I I was I I I really it it was heartbreaking. This guy was so important in my life. Unfortunately, my dad would always tell him that when he went in, and Tim was so gracious. He's oh no, Keith was a natural, but like it wasn't the case at all. Like he completely his his attitude changed me. And uh, I had a new agent one time where I said to him, you know, we were getting drinks, like you just joined up, sure. And I said, you know, the only thing that really, really, I promise you matters is that you. Uh, is you understand the stress these people are under when they're selling their house big time and you inherit their problem and and you really treat them well and he laughed he thought i was joking i won't say which brokerage he came from sure sure but he, he literally like thought it was a, a joke it was a punchline no good and i said hey dude like i i get it you, you came from a bigger thing than i am i go but i'm really serious yeah like th this is really important it will benefit you in the long run uh so another plug for Callaway. When I, I, I did learn a little from Callaway when I worked at Roger Dunn. I feel like they owe us some golf they balls. They do, I, mean, I know. Send, send how's that up. for some entitlement there? You can send the <laughs> golf balls to yeah. Give like my address. The uh <laughs> the <laughs> true story. The uh you know the the shaft on the big bertha would splinter at the base yeah. because of the bore through when they first came out with it. And people would bring it in. And yep. uh it was amazing. Callaway would not only take it back. They wouldn't fix it. They'd, They'd give it. you a new one yeah. and a hat would be attached to it. And I can remember thinking, yeah, that's that's classy. that's the way you do business. You just took someone who is pissed at your club yep. and you made him 
they're, now they're wearing your shit. Now they're literally advertising you. Yeah. You talk about turning a loss into a gain. And so, I mean, that, that hit home too. Callaway was a terrific company. I mean, they were the, 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 the brand loyalty people had towards Callaway. And I, I'm out of the business now. Sure. I've been out of it for 30 years, but the brand insistence was unbelievable. Yeah. People would only buy Callaway towels for their golf bags. Yep. It, it was amazing. So yeah. And you know company. what? Yeah, and, and Keith, I can't thank you enough for coming today. I mean, this is just value bomb after value bomb. I mean, the I, we've been talking for a while actually, but I I feel like the the interview has been like way shorter than this. But it's uh, I there's just so much value in this dialogue. I mean, just this casual interview has just been revealed a ton. I mean, we've gone from we've gone from cold calling to golf to real estate to you know with title and real estate and realtors and you know building teams and all that stuff. And I I love the it all comes back. It all comes back to focus and discipline, action, and you know, it, obviously, it's a numbers game, and timing's really everything. But, <laughs> but, 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 but in the end, in the end, it comes back to service, and it comes back to that sense of humanity that we talk a lot about on the show, and adding, adding that personal touch, making someone feel like a human being, and just being, being there, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, that's that's a special thing. So. As we wrap things up, um, I'm going to give you a quick opportunity to, if you feel like being harassed by anybody that listens to the show, uh, how we can get a hold of you. Can we follow you on social media? Where do we find you online? Or if we want to hit you up for connection or advice or referrals, where can people find you? And then any closing thoughts that you have? You know, the uh, the name of the brokerage, we're, we're, we're a community brokerage. So uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, I don't sell franchises. Um, and I'm in Aliso Viejo. It's called Watts Team Real Estate. And uh, there's about a dozen of us there. And it's all top agents, great agents. And, um, you know, I've if you go to my website, which is wattsteamhomes.com, uh, you can see our connections to Facebook, awesome. Twitter. Uh, I'll put everything. it. I'll put it right in the show notes so everyone can. Look yeah, right I, up I, to yeah, you. I appreciate that. You know, I for anyone out there who's listening who has any questions, I it's it's super lonely when you're starting out. It's hard. So like, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has or clear anything up. What's uh? In any final closing thoughts, man? I just appreciate you having me, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, I'm thanks. Stoked. You. I was looking forward to it. And it lived up to it. I should have brought a twelve pack instead of a six. No, it's pack. cool. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna force you into sticking around. Uh, no, we we could break open this whiskey here in a minute, but no, uh, Keith uh, Keith Watts over here from Aliso Viejo in Southern California, dropping some major major value bombs, sharing some pretty cool stories, and uh, yeah, kind of a nice kind of a nice opportunity to hear uh, a career uh, to date over the over the course of a very nice interview session which we greatly appreciate your openness and transparency and guys what it really comes down to is something that we we really i mean i think we wrap every show with and and it's something as simple as as you got to do it's the action that matters and it's it's you that ultimately makes the difference and if there's anything to be learned from talking to keith i mean you know get to that light bulb moment flip the fucking switch already and and realize that you have to provide the service get out of your own way and at the end of the day you've got to remember one thing and one thing only real agents work and you absolutely without question have to be one of them go out there and kick some ass this week and uh you know we'll see you on the ramble session on friday but but move forward move forward with great intention great action and just play this game hard guys you know if you're going to be in it just play it as hard as you can because the rewards are big 
and the stakes are higher and uh, it just has to be done. So have a great rest of your week. Head over to rerod.com. That's R-E-R-A-W.com. If you don't know where it is by now, I don't know what to tell you. It's a five freaking letter domain. So figure it out. And uh, thank you so much for your love and support on the show. Thanks for caring enough about yourself to be here today. Hope you learned some great stuff and uh, we'll catch you guys at the ramble session. Take care. Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit rerod.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's rerod.com forward slash A-I-V-A.